Hi, this is Bron Burton and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. Two minutes past the hour of nine o'clock. You're on three triple R. This is Radio Marinara, and I'm Anthony Boxall. Um, I'm Dr. Beach. End of the, end of the intro. Oh, yeah. That that's was a, a, cheer a, a, a nice, for us, nice that little was. touch there. Yeah, I love it. How, how are you, Anthony? <laughs> I am very well. I am very well. How about you, Dr. Beach? I'm not bad. I had a bit of a um, slightly dodgy meal last night. So oh, it might be running out. Uh oh. But I'll leave you alone for a bit. But oh, no, great. I, I reckon, great. I, I reckon great. I'll survive the next hour. <laughs> I had a wonderful weekend last weekend. I went to Wilson's Promontory. Oh, sensational. It's, it's, it's always so lovely. Isn't actually, it? Right? Yep. Very Isn't lovely it gorgeous? thing. Gorgeous. Just, just for the week. Of just for the week. Yeah, just hanging out for the camping. weekend. But, but what camping in the car park? Well, not the car park, but the camping ground. Yeah, but, but just, yeah, yeah. yeah, not, Lots of people not scuba choppers. diving or. No. Yeah. Bit, a bit of swimming. Yeah. Walking down to um, Little Oberon. Oh, it's gorgeous. Very beautiful. And on the beach at night, looking at the perfect stars. I, wow. I taught myself six new stars. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, How do you teach yourself? You made them well, up. Well, no, yeah, that's right. No, no, yeah, look, get out the app. Yeah, and yeah. Like, that one up. I don't know what that one is. Have and you then, got that app, you know, that you can actually lie down, hold up to the sky? Mm, and, and, yeah, there's a couple of them. Very cool. Yeah. You so, can, do, do you know you can do that inside? Yeah. <laughs> I just find that completely bizarre. In the living room, looking at the app, going, oh, that's an interesting constellation. Yeah. I was back there in my tent. <laughs> Oh, awesome. So now, nice. now, now, got, now, got, now got Pollux and Castor nailed. I know where they are. Oh. oh. And Procyon. Oh, wow. I'm impressed. And Bellatrix. 
Bellatrix. No, Bellatrix come on, and, someone Be- made that up no, since Bell- Harry Potter. Bell- Bellatrix is just to the left of Beetlejuice. Uh, someone made that one up after Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, that's, no, that's no, right. That's yeah, not yeah. Real. It's, it's all from yeah. Harry Potter. <laughs> That's um, enough about me. What are we doing this week? We, we've got a very big show. We got um, well. What, you're going to give us some insights I'm, 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 to I'm, stuff I'm, we started as. Yeah, stuff we started <laughs> about two billion years ago. There was a very important event in cell biology, which um, I'm going to tease apart. And and if I get too kind of muddled in it, you've got to say to me, "Stop! Explain, <laughs> Doctor Beach. I don't I don't understand that word, as can sometimes happen. I can do that." But it's an amazing story. A group of Japanese researchers who have spent 12 years trying to culture this organism. Yeah, wow. I don't def- give it away now. No, no. So this is, we're going to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. give it. I'm very intrigued by this. I'm over-prefacing. Over, oh, is that a word? Maybe. Yeah, okay. Um, and then um, and then, young Brett, our cabin boy from the Cabin Boy Diaries, Brett Ditchfield, is going to join us from, I think he's in Gippy. Right at the Painesville some wooden boat sail. Something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And he's east of here. He is his far east here, but he's going to talk about things that are west of here. There's a whole lot of boat things, sailing stuff going on. So he's going to join us live from down Painesville Way. Our very own cabin boy. Yeah. So and and then um, we talked about um, when we all, you mean Bron, kicked off the year, talked about one of the, a few of the different things we're going to bring. And I've been playing around with kind of every once in a while having a kind of marine and coastal adaptations conversation. And so it's going to be the first one. Um, the intention of this is to kind of focus on where we are adapting to climate change in, in, a, in a real way in the coastal and marine environment. <laughs> um, and in a way, it was forced upon many communities because of summer, the fires, and the adaptation to dealing with that kind of extreme weather. So we're starting with one that is perhaps not as long-term as um, the others might be, but um, we're going to talk to Jan Gilbert from Malakuta and how the estuary and the nearshore marine environments responded to the fires. So there's some really so Jan, so Jan's a um, marine biologist that lives down that way. Wonderful! And I'm so looking yeah. forward to this conversation. These are things I've been wanting to know. It's um, yeah, all this that's been happening since like all the, all this the sludge, the muck, uh, all I, of it, yeah, all of it getting into and, and in my naive mind, I I really wonder what is it that's kind of interfering with life in the in the in the in the waterways? Yeah, yeah. Is it is it just the physicalness of the the sludge, yes. the ash and all of that, so or is it some, some kind of, of toxins that are released? And I think it's possibly all of the above. And, and interestingly, one of the... Oh, I don't want to give away too much, but one of the things that, that, that uh, we will talk about is the impact of the fires at the time on the birds. That, just off, I'll leave it there, but we'll yeah. come back and we'll talk about there that. Were some so yeah, we've got a, kind of a, a, full, a full board of mixed wonder today. Let's do some weather. You got some weather? Yeah. Because I'm intrigued. I want to know what's going on because something's going on. It's going to be warmish today. It's going to be 32 degrees, young Anthony. Uh, Areas of morning fog in the outer suburbs. Sunny morning, but cold increasing. But but no, no, that's not cold. That's cloud. Cloud increasing (laughs) later. Yeah, I I need to update his glasses. Um, Medium chance of showers in the evening. Light winds becoming north northwest, 30 to 45 kilometres per hour in the morning. Then tending cooler south southwest in the late. Blank. They don't say anything else. In the light blank. Light blank. Yeah. Yeah. No. Zero. Maybe a little shower. Um, <laughs> back down to eighteen degrees tomorrow. Tuesday, oh. 21, 23, oh. 24, 24. And if you're thinking of heading to Golden Plains, well, you can't be thinking about it. You must have done it already. You must have bought the tickets because it's all sold out. Or Port Ferry. Or Port Ferry next weekend. Yeah. Yes. Both on the same time, roughly you, similar part of the world. Doing either of those? Um, Port Ferry. Right. Golden yeah. Plains. Ah, uh, we're showing our age difference there, aren't we? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm the old fogey you yeah, know, you're, folk you're, festival you're, you're and you're the young. You're, 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 you're <laughs> freewheeling fun. Off a gold yeah, festival, you know, can't stop me. Uh, so it's got to be 22, and well, that, that's wow. next Saturday, which all I care about. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's maybe a bit of up to 15 millimeters of rain Thursday, so a bit of precipitation during the week, which will be all thankful for. Tides, if you're heading out mm-hmm. on the water, you'll be wanting to know what's happening at Point Lonsdale, which of course represents the heads of our Fairport Phillip. It is going to be well. It's going to be low tide at a little bit after eleven, and it was high tide of one and a half meters at five a.m. Small I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> if you want to go surfing, you can look it up yourself. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're not all changed. Yeah, we always right. Doctor Surf always told us off about looking at that anyway. Just before we head oh, off to always. something else, we have um, to. We have got to thank. Um, oh, Timothy, Timothy young, young, young Timothy, young Timothy. Speaking of the young ones, he's um, Tim. once again, I think, surpassed himself. Kick him back there, looking very smooth and groovy yeah. there in the green room, talking to our he's Kent. Really, I think he's he's he just he's he goes from the sublime to the ridiculous in his ability to bring out the the I just the musicality. I, I can't. I have no words. This is the problem, Doctor. I have no words. It's difficult for that man and his delivery. It's, it's, it's difficult to think of the appropriate words to describe Tim you Thorpe. Know, like when you get recognised by your nation. Mm-hmm. As he's been, let's not forget that he's been recognised by the Commonwealth. Yep. Oh no, no, yep. I guess by the it's Queen. Not that, uh, the, well, the Queen. The Queen. Queen. Even an Australian aunt day honour. You know, I know it's a couple of years ago now, but still. Anyway, and he doesn't. You know, he, he doesn't wear it. I, you know, I keep asking, where's the hoodie? It says, you know, Australia. He, he doesn't whatever. wear a badge. No, doesn't, doesn't wear he a badge. Won't saying do it. like, you know, understated. OBE or whatever it is. Timothy Lord Tim Esquire. Lord, Lord we love Timothy. him. We do love him. He is. An icon. They're gonna, when I'm going to start the campaign for the bloody stamp. When are they making a stamp? Tattoo on his forehead, Thorpey, I reckon. Thorpey stamp. That's yep. what I want. Mim Fox and Tim Thorpe stamps. Yep. I think I think it's a bit that's much. It. That's now, what we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to do public radio stamps, and Tim's going to be the headline. Yeah. Did you hear about the pink <laughs> pink manta? We love you, Tim. No. What's this pink manta ray? I don't pink manta ray. I, I didn't either until my. My sister Sandy, Sandy is her name, told me about this last week. She'd seen it on the ABC, so I thought I'd better talk about it this morning. Off Lady <laughs> Elliot Island, um, which is, yeah, Lady Elliot Island, southern section of the Great Barrier Reef, so kind of off your Bundabergs yeah, and yeah, south of your Gladstones, near Lady Musgrave. Yeah. Beautiful place, which I've Gorgeous. spent several times yep. there. So I think you have a five, three metre wingspan. Uh, manta rays, as you know, come in black mainly, sometimes black and white, a little so bit greyish. So the top would be black, grey, or yes. even white. Yep. Yes, or even white sometimes, but patches of white. Yep. This one is kind of bright, bright pink underneath. Black on top, <gasps> bright pink underneath. It's been first spotted in 2015. Uh, it's been seen a couple of times since, but hangs out in that area. Uh, biologists, uh, we have a bandanaed biologist, Cathy <laughs> um, Townsend, right. I've seen here on the ABC News, and she's saying they don't know what it is. Uh, what, well, they, they don't know what it is. It's, it's a pink manta ray, but they don't know what has caused this. How she's, very she's, cool. As any smart biologist would say, some kind of mutation. That's what she's saying, and they're trying to figure it out at the moment. But they, I just, yeah, it just seems to happy. be a random mutation, really. It does seem How bit, very cool. It seems to be hanging out with others. It's not pursued by its right. mates. It's All the other ones aren't saying, hey, no, I'm sorry. No, no. no, no we're not hanging around with no you. No fun and games with you. No. no. It's, it's not like Rudolph. All seems to be fine huh. in the manta ray world. Oh. But, but what a beautiful phenomenon. That is gorgeous. If you do get a chance, Google Pink Manta Ray ABC and see the picture because I wasn't, I did not actually believe Dr. Beach when he told me. And then I looked at the photo and I went, oh my God. I think it's a real, photo, a it's a real photograph too. 
Hey, you're on Radio Marinara. It's a bit after 10. It's about 11 past 9. It's the 1st of March too, so happy... Is it spring? No, autumn. Uh, autumn. 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 Autumn it would Where be, are we? Yeah. What's yeah. hemisphere? Yeah, autumn. So pinching a punch for the 1st of the month. Yep, and happy autumn. Because, um, of course, this is a leap year. It is, yes. So that was, was the 29th. Yeah, it only happens every four years, it what is. happened yesterday. Uh, yeah, that was... It, well, it's best to leave it there. Leap years anyway. are always Olympic years and American election years, aren't they? That's right. They mm. are too. Mm. <laughs> You're on Radio Marinara on 3 R. Uh, Dr Beach, we uh, are uh, in do- the lab Dr Beach is my name uh, Yeah, Life's the Beach lab Life's the Beach We sometimes call this I'm not quite talking about the beach today I'm going deep into the ocean About two and a half kilometres off Japan And also deep back in time Around two billion years Oh, okay But I'm going to try and bring it all into the present we're going to have to do a little bit of basic cell biology first. Okay. Origin of us, take us all the way back. You might remember, and So we're going way past Way the back. Yeah, yeah, you might remember that you were once a single cell, not like, you know, like not like an egg, sperm and all that. But, <laughs> but one but one, cell. Once, we all came from the same kinds of cells, really, oh. which were bacteria. Okay. Things like bacteria, prokaryotes, simple cells. So around, if we look around now, what we've got, we've got got your trees, you've got your animals, you've got your fungi, you've got your seaweeds, all of those yeah. things. We can, we can call those all collectively what we affectionately know them as eukaryotes. Okay, that's the so scientific name for that bunch. That bunch. They've yeah. all got what we call true nuclei in them. The okay. U and carry on means right. uh, we'll carry you know, nucleus from, from the Greek. Okay. As you do. As you yeah. do. The, yeah. re- the rest of the small things, prokaryotes we call those before okay. the nucleus. Okay. And those small things are right. bacteria and there's another group called archaea. So think okay. of this, you've got the eukaryotes, one group, that's all the big all stuff. All the big stuff. Complex stuff. Yep. And then you've got the bacteria and the archaea. Yeah. We believe that the eukaryotes, we generally, biologists in general, um, believe that the eukaryotes evolved around 2 billion years ago. Right. And we know so the big things came out of those little things and they came 2 out billion of, they years came ago. out of little things from two, two yep. cells fusing together. Right. One bacterium and one archaean. And they just went, oh, geez, this works. Yeah, <laughs> but, but we think it was like two individual cells fusing together no. and then everything else took off after so that. So that's like, sorry, I had to do this, but know, that's, that's like the, Adam and Eve. That's the most amazing <laughs> thing is that we <laughs> no believe way. it was two cells getting together. Yeah, two th- actual cells. Two actual cells. Oh. Now, do you know? Do, have you heard of the word mitochondrion? Yeah, Mito- the little kind of yeah, energy things, little energy things that we have inside, in all yeah. of our cells. Oh. So that they make this kind of cellular energy pe- yep. petrol thing called ATP, adenosine yep. triphosphate, which we all need. Yeah, okay. we, we wouldn't be able to walk out of this room. We didn't have it. Okay, drives everything. Right. So mitochondria, we believe, came from a group of bacteria which are called alpha proteobacteria. Okay, so the energy source is in one bacteria. Yeah, so, yep. so all these mitochondria that we yep. have are yep. actually bacteria. Right. Which are now no longer free living. They are and we've cl- captured them and we, stuck we, them we, in our ca- cells. We've captured them in this oh. one event. But what was the host that captured them? This is the question. We believe it was not a bacterium, but it was an archaean. So these other types of prokaryotes, these single-celled organisms. And we know from lots of genomic sequencing that there is... So what we can do now is take a water sample, take a mud sample, sample of anything, and we can sequence the bejesus out of it so that we know the molecular genetic identity of everything in there, really. Yeah, wow. And we know from doing that a lot that there's one group of Archaeans... Right, these are the ones that we think gave us the nucleus... That's right. Yeah. Well, not the nucleus. They were the, the, they they were the, were the host, host cells. The nucleus. The, we won't yeah. talk about the origin of the no. nucleus. Yep. Very, that came, but they were the that host came for later it. on. But yeah, yeah, the host for it. So yep, the yep, host yep. cell that engulfed this yep. bacterium that was the mitochondrion. Yep. We know that they're out there. And there's a group groups that have been described more rejoicing now names like the Lockie archae, Archaeota. Okay. Lockie is a, um, 
a Norse god. As in Loki. Yeah, as yeah, in Loki. Yeah, Loki, right, right, oh, Loki yeah, yeah. not Loki. Loki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loki. Yeah. <laughs> the Norse god, who was a bit of a trickster. And then there were other ones called the Heimdall, Archeoda, all named after Norse gods. Okay. So this group now is called the Asgard. No. Poker. Yeah. <laughs> right, because because everything came from Asgard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where the Norse gods <laughs> yeah, hang yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as distinct from Valhalla, which no, is where... Totally. Where they know, go after they die. Yeah. Where they go after they die. Yeah. yeah, even you can go if you die in battle. You can go to Valhalla, <laughs> Anthony. Because I do plan to die in but battle. But you can't go to Asgard. These, so we, 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 digress. We, we know that they're out there, but we haven't cultured these. Nobody's been oh, able right. to culture these. Okay. A group in Japan that comes from, and, and I've just got to read out the name of the institute that they work at. I mean, no wonder they were able to get this done. They work at the Institute for Extra Cutting Edge Science and Technology Avant-Garde Research, which is known as XSTAR. And this group, they went to the bottom of the ocean. You're, I'm distracted by some notes you've been in. No, 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 we'll get to that. <laughs> they, 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 were, uh, they went to the bottom of the ocean looking for these, took a sample of yeah. mud. This is around 12 years ago. Yeah. And working so, at... So 12 years ago they went to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, got From the, the Institute for Cutting Edge... Uh, no, Extra Cutting Edge Science <laughs> and Technology Avant-Garde Research, EXTAR, which is at the Japan Agency of Marine Earth Science and Technology known as JAMSTEC in Yokosuka, Japan. They did not seriously call it they did. Cutting Edge and Avant-Garde. Extra, extra Cutting <laughs> Edge and Avant-Garde. Sorry. Anyway, they've done some amazing work. Like, it had just settled down, I'll tell you that. Okay, yeah, so yeah. they took this sample and they thought, okay, it's two and a half kilometres below the surface yeah. of the ocean, down in the mud and sludge yeah. down there, trying to look for these, these microbes, which we know from DNA. And what they want to do is culture it because when you can get something in culture and actually work on it in the laboratory, you can look at it under a microscope, yeah. you can have a look, you can cut it How up. How does it behave? What does it How do? How does it behave? What the does metabolites it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it uses. We can learn so much more except ju- we can learn a lot from DNA sequence, but you really want to have yeah. this thing in your hand as it were. Yeah. Took a long time for them to do this. 12 years in fact. Sorry? So, 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 they, Sorry. so they got a bioreactor. <laughs> 12 years? They developed a bioreactor at the X-Star. Re- yeah, know, the super play, avant-garde. Play, place extra. for avant-garde, extra yep, cutting-edge yep, science yep. and technology. <laughs> this bioreactor, so they chucked their mud in there, tweaked all the things, mucked around with that for about four years <sighs> until they started to get some things growing. They got a whole population of different things, which... That, that, were there taking samples yeah, 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 and sequencing yeah, yeah. that yeah. saying oh yeah here's one from the Lockheed Archeo yeah, or yeah. the Heimdall Archeo you know, these Norse gods here's the Thor one we're getting close the, yeah. but what they want to do is try and enrich for something so it took another so that was like six years to get wow. some things growing and then they would take some samples out and then put more things with them and different bioreactors and after another five years <laughs> So that we're now we're up now to like nine 11 years. Or, nine, nine years, or 11, yeah. 10 or... Well, actually, say yeah. 12 here yeah. in the papers. I've lost a year or two somewhere. Yeah. They get this organism, which wow. they think is a close relative of... The Asgard one. The Asgard one. Well, <gasps> they are, yeah, the Asgard one that did the engulfing <gasps> two billion years ago. And why they think it's a close relative is that it has... It's got these protuberances. So bacteria quite... Oh, by the way, this thing grows really slowly. It takes every two, two to four <laughs> yes. weeks. Two to four weeks to divide. Which for a bacterium is actually incredibly... Slow. E. coli in our guts. If you give it the right conditions, all the food, yeah, right yeah. temperature, grow, divides every 20 minutes. Yeah, so, you know, so a couple can, of weeks is very... Yeah. 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 A couple of weeks is just yeah. amazingly long. And, like these, an old, and, old, and these things old. are super tiny. They're below what? a micron. So a bacteria, tiny. E. coli is... So a, a micron is a thousandth of a millimetre. That's right, yes. And so that's like millionth of a metre. So yeah. it's tiny. So it's smaller than an E. coli. Yeah, tiny. Right. tiny. Lots, but it's got all these protuberances, like these hands, these loving hands, arms that go out and wrap around things. Oh. So they're saying, okay, that this is a really good... And it might think, seem like a superficial 
thing. But in these organisms, these generally in the archaea, and, and the archaea, there are lots of archaea around. Right. Generally, they're extremophiles that live in extremes. Extremophiles. So they live in extremes of environment, right. temperature, so pressure, like salt, under sulfides or whatever. Or yeah. yeah, yeah. Pink Lake under Westgate yeah, yeah, Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Right, that ex- is, yeah, right. One of those organisms is extremophiles yeah, right. that likes extreme concentrations of salt. Yeah, yeah. These other extremophiles like yeah. being in pressure, two and a half K below the yeah, ocean. Yeah. And these ones, which they've called Prometheo archaea. No. Yeah, after Prometheus, <laughs> like a Latin god. The now, origin yeah, of Roman yeah, god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was a bit of a trickster as well. Oh, uh, wow. Well, yeah, yeah. like, like Loki. Uh, They've got these, yeah, these, these protuberances, these things that come out and wrap around other bacteria. So now what they're doing are the tests, the genetic, well, the, the, the tests under in the lab. To work out. To work it all out. Wow. But this is such a big deal, and I, I haven't done it justice, I know, that you know, Nature Paper, and they were all, they were able to get a Nature Paper out late last year just saying, oh, we've got this now. Like a yeah, pre- right. Not even a preprint, but just talking, which is what scientists don't generally don't do. No. They've got to wait till it goes through peer review and all yeah, that. Yeah. But because they were so excited, people go, oh, my God, you've got this. Because this this is like, this is like, okay, it's not equivalent to anything you can, I mean, it's not like finding a new species. No. This is like defining like a new life form that we've never seen. Yeah. That now we think is the life, one of the two life forms that everything that is on the earth came from. That's right. Except, I mean, the, that's pro- except the tiny stuff. So yes. everything we see looking around, the trees, like the animals, everything. the fungi, yeah. everything that's not a bacteria. Except the viruses and the bacteria and all that stuff. But yeah, but that, wow. Mm. It's it's. Actually, very exciting for that, people so who, are, really, who are interested in this yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. Which, which we all should be. It's like a, we it, should be talking about this on the tram. <laughs> I'm going to look beach. out for that on the train next week. I'm just going to listen in and hear, wait for people talking about Prometheus. the Promethean yeah. yeah. <laughs> That is awesome! Wow. And so, thanks wow. to those people at the Institute for Extra Cutting Edge Science and Technology Avant Garde Research, Xstar. <laughs> can, can I just? Do you know what I think happened there? I think because it's in Japan, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think what they did was they just. They put the Japanese into Google Translate <laughs> and then back came. Like it probably makes total sense in Japanese. I'm sure it does. Know? But then back came that well, it makes a lot extra avant garde cutting edge. I'm thinking of stealing that. I'm going to start an institute with like, you know, extra <laughs> special version. cutting edge. But also. That is sensational, yeah. Dr. Beach. That is like, so that is, wow. And I even feel like I didn't understand half of those words, but we, we I, I feel like I do understand when you they connect in. Excellent. That is amazing. The beginning of Fanning, the beginning of multicellular life. Yes. You're on Radio Marinara. It is 29 minutes past the... I don't know where we go from there, by the way, but we're, we're going to try. Oh, let's go um, to East Gippsland. We'll, well, we'll do that later. But at this moment, we go way out east and we catch up with Brett Ditchfield for the Cabin Boy Diaries. G'day, Brett. Welcome. Good morning. All the way from, uh, yeah, Painesville in Gippsland. And how is Painesville? How, you're down there for... What, what are you down there for today? We've, uh, we've driven down for the uh, Painesville Classic Boat Rally, but we're kind of down here too to spend some money at the local communities. And, you know, like they've been ravaged by fire and there's been a bit of ill effect there. So spending some love here. No, good one. And actually our next um, um, slot this morning is actually with um, Jan Gilbert down at Malakuta. So a, little, we got a, a little bit further east. Yeah, so we've got a, we've got a very East Gippy kind of focus at the moment. Um, and so what is the Boat Classic? What's the the event? Well, well it's the Painesville Classic Boat Rally. It's, it's on every two years. So uh, it's been going... This is the third one. It's kind of a commu- community event. Um, local volunteers get together and uh, there's probably about 190 boats on the water. 
a lot of them are like fishing boats and working boats from all over the lakes um, and a lot of shore-based uh, kind of exhibitions and that too. So plenty of people here. So it's it's good for Painesville. So Brett, Brett, the classic boats, they're not, um, it's not like you, you can bring your brand spanking new boat that you've just got from the dealer and take it down there. It's got to be something nice and old and a bit of it. I'm picturing sort of wooden and <laughs> not, not nice sort of varnish, lacquer. There's a bit of that. There's a bit of fiberglass too. I, I, I'm not quite sure of the definition of classic. <laughs> like, I guess you could have fiberglass from the 70s, 60s, you know, like even almost 80s, I suppose. Would well, be classic still. Um, I think that was from the 80s, two um, Moomba Masters classic ski boats, the ones that yeah, wow. up and down the, the Yarra. Mm-hmm. So, two of them, immaculate condition, and they're all fiberglass and sparkly. There's. There's an old uh, World War Two crash boat, which is like a torpedo boat up here too. Um, painted grey, it's got the numbers on the side and everything, so it looks like it's um, yeah, from straight from World War Two. Uh, and I think that lives on the lakes up here. And uh, we've also got a big square topsail catch, the Coral Trekker, come down from the Whit Sundays that's uh, doing cruises. Oh, that's oh, very lovely and exotic. Wow, how very cool! And so that's on just this weekend, or is it going on through the week? No, just this weekend finishes today. So, yeah, just a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, I guess all the boats head off home. There's a few from Melbourne, I've noticed, a few boats that have sailed up. Nice. Hey, now, you also, when you're down there, you caught up with um, Dr Kate Charlton-Robb, who has been on Marinara over the years, um, who described the different species of dolphins in Victoria. Um, What's the latest about the dolphins down that way? Well, she just did it. She says hi, by the way. Um, She's the head of the uh, Marine Mammal Foundation down here. She ran a little seminar yesterday just on the the Burrinan dolphins, which apparently there's only two resident populations in Victoria, one up here in the Gippsland Lakes and the other one in Port Phillip Bay. And I think there's another one over in Tassie. So she was just giving us some information on... Even though they're not critically, they're still endangered. Like, you know, there's only still, I think, about 69 residents here. And then the the males, they're a bit more transient and they, they come back for the breeding season back into the lake. So and I think that swells to about 120, 130 dolphins that they can uh, keep count of. Wow, Brett, Brett you, you were taking notes. You, you've been very good. Like, <laughs> comprehension, full comprehension, you got it all? <laughs> I did sit in the front row and take notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be on live radio talking about this tomorrow. Were you wearing your Cabin Boy Diaries cap? I hope you were. Well, uh, not quite. It was like uh, incognito because, uh, you know, she makes me on the spot. So uh, I did say hi, though, yes. No, that's all good. And as I said, she, uh, she uh, was quite excited to see someone from Radio Marinara up here. Awesome. Hey, now, today also, Williamstown, there's an event on. Sorry, well, yes, if you're back in town, uh, it's the Williamstown. Town Seaport Festival. So um, there's quite a few um, tall ships there, the uh, James Craig, the Enterprise and the Young Endeavour, and they've got all kinds of wonderful things on. So if you, well, of course you can't get down to Gippsland at this late hour. Head on down to Williamstown this weekend uh, today and uh, there's all kinds of maritime wonderment happening down there. It, it's kind of, it, it's boat festival time, isn't it? Because next weekend there's the big Geelong um, event on as well. Yeah, the Royal Geelong Yacht Club. It's the Geelong Wooden Boat Festival. It goes from the 6th of March through to the 9th of March because Monday's the holiday. 
and the boats are assembling at Port Arlington on the Friday night to sail to Geelong. So uh, if you're down Port Arlington Friday, Saturday morning, pop down to the harbour because there'll be quite a few wooden boats down there. And when, when you say wooden, is that that they have to only be wooden, but they could be a modern design, or are they all old designs and wooden? No, they're all wooden, so no fiberglass, no steel, nothing like that. So the hull and the superstructure is all wooden, and there are quite a few modern designs there. So uh, wood's still a viable wood, uh, a boat-building uh, product. So, yeah, it's surprising how many new boats are being built out of wood. That's sensational. Well, um, can, oh, we better let you get back to the um, to Painesville, the Painesville Classic. What are you going to do? Are you going to get on the water yourself, or are you just going to kind of mosey around on the on land today and have a look at what's um, what's on display? Well, I did have a nice little spot on the uh, foreshore there, but they, they started firing up, up the uh, speedboat engine. <laughs> So I'm back in the caravan park at the moment, <laughs> camping here, and uh, yeah, it's just a nice little nook away. But no, there's a parade of sale today, so I'll pop down and see all that. There's a few people to catch up with, uh, you know, all things sea salty to talk, and a lot of food and drink, so happy to do that too. Very nice. <laughs> awesome. Brad, Brad, just before you go, can you get on any of the boats? Like, you could, you know, you could see them from the shore, but are you allowed to jump on board, sort of root around, have a look, open some cupboards, unfurl some <laughs> sails? I don't know about the cupboards, but Painesville's pretty nice, as in the shops, you've got the road, and then you've got just the uh, the maritime precinct, yeah. with, um, kind of the piers and that, and all the boats are tied up. If you ask someone about their boat, they're more than happy to invite you on and show them off. So, uh, Brilliant. yeah, you can spend all day just jumping from boat to boat. Sensational. Well, thank you for, for letting us interrupt your um, Painesville classic, uh, Young Brit from the Cabin. Uh, if you could pop back down to the cabin, we'll talk to you in about a month. I will. And pop down to Geelong next week. We'll be down there on our boat, Magic. So I'll uh, pop in and say hello. I'll put the kettle on and, uh, yeah, we can have a chat for sure. You can go through my cupboard. <laughs> I will certainly be doing He'll that. Be, you know, Dr. Mitch will be down there on his way to Western Plains. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. Bye, Brett. All right. Catch you later, guys. Bye. Brett Ditchworth, uh, Cabin Boy Diaries there on Marinara down in Paints. A Paintsville Classic, Williamstown Seaport Festival today if you're in Melbourne and, of course, the Geelong Wooden Boat Festival next weekend. It's going off. It's all happening for sailing. Now, i gotta, I got to say, Jack from Peninsula Stand-Up at Sorrento, Peninsula Stand-Up Paddles, rang, mm-hmm. rang in. Pretty, that was what the note was. In the oh, that, that's what distracted end. me. You were looking aghast couple of interesting note. things. No, wow, spider crabs are on the move. Hot already. Now, this is exactly the point. Very, very early. So usually May, as we we, we know, because we bring it every year, he reckons that's very early. So the spider crabs are on the move. Climate change. There you go. And interestingly, as are the dolphins. So normally, yeah, they'd be coming in and out. As Brett just indicated, that this particular subspecies of dolphins, the males migrate in and out. But I did think that's a bit early too. But anyway, so there you go. Um, Down that end of the bay at the moment, dolphins are on the move, spider crabs are on the move. Times they are changing. Coastal and marine adaptations is a new segment, looking at adapting to our climate crisis reality, and we're we're actually going to start this this, this segment with kind of a post black summer, as people are now calling it, mm-hmm. which is basically I think when um you know it's when the when climate change came back and bit everybody and, and did exactly what was predicted. Yeah. Anyway, Bron and I have been wanting to talk about recovery of of um, estuine and marine systems post the fire. And uh, lots of people have been wondering about that. Yeah, including and it is myself. 
and it's a, yeah, it's a really obvious one. And so anyway, we were lucky enough to, to stumble upon Jan Gilwood, who is a, um, a marine biologist who lives in Mallacoota and has done in the past and still does research on contaminants, particularly in marine apex predators. Um, and Jan lived through the fires and is now focused on the kind of impacts and recovery in the estuary and the nearshore environment um, in and around Mallacoota. Jan joins us live on the phone from Mallacoota. Thanks for joining us this morning, Jan. Uh, thanks, Anne. Hi, Dr. Beach. Hi, Jan. Welcome. Um, now, look, I, I, Jan, I, I, I do want to start by acknowledging your loss. Um, in the, like many in the fires, particularly in your area, you lost everything. Um, and yeah. I just want to acknowledge that, you know, a genuine respect that we have for the strength that you bring to kind of be able to bounce back. Oh, look, I think it's just, you know, you've got to do something. Otherwise, you feel... Uh, the alternative to that is feeling powerless. And that's just not something that, you know, I think is good ultimately. I mean, I think everyone feels the same. That's why, you know, that in the last sort of few weeks, the whole community has really been throwing themselves into recovery and what what we can do. And I, I mean, I haven't been in the community for long, but I can say that they're an incredibly resilient community of people. They're just, you know, they're highly organised and, um, you know, there's, there's other stuff going on as well. But It, it but, is one of the... Um, Sorry, it's one of the remarkable things about communities, particularly I think small communities anywhere, but in Australia when yeah. this happens, people come together and just yeah. focus on what you can focus on, the stuff you can influence, and I think that's remarkable. It is. Uh, I think it says a lot about, you know, the, the, the people in the community that, um, you know, that, that there is that, that will to keep going. I mean, I haven't heard of many people who aren't going to rebuild. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, and I think for a lot of us here, the, the, the main, even those who lost their houses, you know, the, the houses are things that can be replaced and most things can be replaced. But I think the majority of people who live in Malacuta live here because of the wilderness and, yeah. and, the, and the devastation of the wilderness and the and and the amount of wildlife that have been impacted is just that's what's really heartbreaking. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about that? Because I think one of the ways that yeah. I, I feel like you're obviously channeling your energies is into trying to get some science um, done on the impacts and the recovery in the in the yeah. um, estuary and around Malacuta. Let's go back to um, what you and your friends and colleagues actually saw, observed in the water, on the beach, etc. Like during the fire, what what actually did you see? Like immediately after and during the event, in terms of impacts. Oh, look, there was. We had a constant um, shower of ash, embers. I mean, it, it was it was really bad during the actual fire when it came very very close to the wharf where we were all pretty much huddled, ready to jump into the water, and if it got too close. Um, and uh, so, for the next pretty much 17, 18 days, we were just there was just a constant shower of smoke, ash, charred material. Like I, I actually went down to Tip Beach. I took my dog for a walk down to Tip Beach the following day and it was just, you know, Armageddon down there as well. It was The, the whole beach was just strewn with um, huge piles of, of charred material that was just... The, the ocean was just black coming wow. in. And, uh, and, and I had... A friend of mine had been for a walk um, the day before, I think, or and and told me that that she had found a huge amount of dead birds all the way along the beach from pretty much Bastion Point down to um, 
down to Betra and beyond. And sure enough, you know, in those huge piles of charred material, there were just, it ended up being thousands of birds. Thousands? Thousands of birds. They had obviously, um, and a lot of people said that they'd washed up, but actually Jen Newman, my friend who, who saw them first, um, she said they were all dry. So they'd obviously, there's a huge amount of bush, of course, that backs, that, that's the top of the dune. And uh, and they'd, they'd obviously just come flying out of the bush and choked and fell out of the sky. Wow. So, um, and I, I didn't, normally at this time of year you would see seals, you would see dolphins, yeah. I didn't see a seal or a dolphin for two weeks, which was a bit, there was a couple of dead penguins, we have a penguin colony mm. over at uh, Gabo Island, there's also uh, um, a shearwater colony over there, and, and so for me, as a marine biologist, it was like, oh my god, all of this stuff is going into the waterways and into the ocean, and because that's my area of research, contaminants, you know, I was immediately sort of aware of what sorts of things would be going in there. Yeah, what would um, be the kind of stuff that you'd be thinking about, the risk that from things from, you know, essentially everything burns, what goes in? Yes. Well, there's a whole heap of metals and organic, you know, anthropogenic, so human-made chemicals and that some some are produced from the actual burning of, of or incomplete combustion of of um, of wood timber yeah. you know uh, so so forests and uh, others would be you know re-emitted in terms of you know all of the stuff we have in houses or that that um, is made with a huge amount of chemicals generally and so all of those are re-emitted so you're talking about things, you know, heavy metals like um, mercury and chromium, and then there's a whole other range of organic compounds that are, you know, polyaromatic hydrocarbons, um, flame retardants, PBDEs, so that are that are not only used on fires but are also used in a huge amount of household goods. So all of these, you're not going to get an acute toxic response mm -hmm. to these unless they're in hugely high doses. Um, but the, but the problem with these chemicals or this range of you know um, metals and, and and organic compounds is that they're either neurotoxins, so they affect you know intelligence, mental ability, um, endocrine disruptors, so that it affects fertility, or they're carcinogens, which is you know obviously yeah. causing. And so, so so during the fires, these things are yeah as you said they were kind of bound up in you know household goods or structures yeah. or, or wood or whatever they're re-emitted. Some of them will go into the air um, and then they'll deposit down and then some of them will stay on the ground and then when the rain came, they would have just been washed into the estuary, into the nearshore environment. That's exactly right. Yeah. And thankfully, the first time it rained, we didn't get really heavy rain. Yeah. So it, it's sort of, you know, I, I drove around the next day just having a look to see what sort of runoff there had been and, um, and there wasn't much. It was actually sort of fairly contained and and the rain that we had seemed to have sort of cemented right. a lot of the ash and and and, and stuff to the so but the, the last sort of rain um thankfully we took samples uh before it rained so we we can now actually get a an idea after it rains of what sort of you know is is there any increase if there's anything in the samples that you know 
we've got. And I understand um, the department at the Arthur Ryler Institute's been down there actually working yeah. with you and others doing getting those samples and, and trying to... So I think, if I understand correctly, sediment, water, fish, um, you know, some yeah. of the filter feeders, that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. Oysters, mussels, corns. Yep. Um, mainly, you know, commonly consumed yeah. seafood. You know, that, because people... There's a, there's, the only commercial fishery here is, of course, abalone. Mm-hmm. But... But there's a huge recreational um, fishing, uh, you know, complement. Not to mention that um, a hell of a lot of locals subsistence fish. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, my concern was that, and particularly my concern is, you know, for adults also, but particularly for children, because those sort of, if contaminants are high in those foods then it's going to have the greatest impact on children because they're still developing and because they're small. And so those those results aren't in yet, though, are they? I mean, they've they, just no, been collected. Uh, they take a little while uh, to do, don't they? Look, they do. Um, I spoke to Jared uh, Lyon from Arthur Ryler uh, on Friday and he was hoping if they didn't come back then then they would be back very early um, this week. Yeah. So Jan, Jan, I'm just wondering the samples that you were talking about, are they yeah. taken from the marine environment or from the estuarine environment or both? From the estuarine. We haven't taken from the nearshore marine environment yet, but what we decided to do, um, because I'd sort of come up with a much larger sampling program and then I thought about it and I thought, well, look, we, we actually just really need to do a rapid sampling thing so that we yeah. can find yeah. out whether or not there's anything in there, you know, that we need to be worried about. So on the basis of this... Um, you know, what comes back in these results will, you know, if, if the results show high levels of certain contaminants, then we'll be doing a larger sampling program, you know, that looks at sort of the whole estuarine marine um, food web. So it will just, you know, a simplified food web. Um, but, but Jared also said that regardless of what the results are, um, Arthur Rather are going to be coming back here and actually over the next couple of months collecting samples. And, and the EPA are doing that with um, ongoing water quality and air quality. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's good. Well. So I... it is. It's, it took a while to happen, but actually I'm really, you know, and the fact that, that people, you know, understand that, you know, this is something that we should be um, aware of and that we should be sampling for, um, because it's, we're talking about, you know, whether or not that the, the, those foods are actually fit for human consumption at this point in time. So, so we unfortunately the music's playing. We're going to run out of time. Could, would you like to come back, Jan? Can we come back every couple to, of months and just to. catch up on what this process yeah. is? Because this is going to take a while, isn't it? Really, it is. Look, just quickly, I wanted to say though that the good news is that the fish stocks are actually up in the lakes. <laughs> okay, so, good, excellent. <laughs> so, so there's been little activity, which meant it's it, and it demonstrate demonstrate really, um, you know, what a, a rest of a year can do for fish populations. So, you know, and that's good news. That's a really good outcome for fish populations and for fishes. Jan, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Jan Gilbert. You're welcome. Wonderful. And we will talk to you again in over the... Let's, let's ch- check in over the year. All right. That'd be great. Thanks, thank Jan. Bye, Jan. Jan Gilbert, um, marine biologist from Malacuta. We've got to thank... Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. 
Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.